Hi there, this is Ashley Farod and you are listening to Behind the Bio, the podcast about the people behind the professions. In this particular episode, Nick Vevers is my guest. There's a couple of reasons I wanted to talk to Nick. Firstly, as his day job, he's a cameraman and an editor at the ABC. At night, he produces Mustard Flats, which is an online magazine that looks at subcultures in Canberra. And then on top of that, he produces documentaries. Specifically, he just released The Academy Story, a documentary about the Academy nightclub and all that it meant to many people in Canberra. So each of those things are interesting enough by themselves, but combine them all together and we have a really fun chat that I'm sure you are going to enjoy. I'd like to thank The Coordinate Group for making this entire series possible, and I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Nick on Behind the Bio. Hey Nick, how are you going? Good mate, how are you? Very good, happy new year to you. You too, thanks for having me on. <laughs> well, actually the reason I'm having you on, and not just because, is because you had me on your podcast. Yeah, yeah, we're, uh, we're getting comfortable with this now. Exactly, so, yeah. and I thought, well, rather than, than me speaking all the way through that one with yeah. Jared yeah. as the other guest, I thought it'd be nice to have you on the other side of the yeah, microphone speaking about yourself. Something I don't normally do, so exactly. uh, it'd be interesting. <laughs> and we're using my gear, not your gear, so this podcast is not going to sound as amazing as yours, because this setup that you've got in your room that we're in right now is just next level. Yeah. It's, it's like yeah. a proper radio well, studio. It, it will sound pretty much just as good, but I have the video side of things going here, which adds, adds a bit. But yeah, um, yeah your stuff's great too, so <laughs> it's going to be fun in here. Your gear is as yeah. good as my gear. Yeah, exactly. Well, the reason that I wanted to point out the fact that we're doing this in here is because your profession as such is a producer, but in the video space more than the audio space. Yeah. Would I be correct to say that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what, where I... I've always been, I've always been making videos and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, I, that's what I wanted to bring to the sort of podcasting space when I wanted to get into that. But long before that, I've always been into videos from since I was a kid. So always making stuff, always playing around with edits and, uh, doing that sort of thing and went on into my career as well and yep. to what I do on the side still. Yeah. yeah. To give that some context. The podcast that you do is called Mastered Flats. Yeah, Mastered Flats. Yeah, yeah. so if anybody wants to check that out, please do. It's very different to my podcast in the sense that it's probably more about specific artists, creatives. Yeah, yeah, camera-based. It's um, sort of – it's a show almost where we get two guests in and I try and stay out of it and let two people talk. Um, But we also have kind of this video magazine element where we do other docos and – little stories and uh, articles on the website and stuff. So we, yep. I kind of want to keep it a bit uh, different and, uh, to just a straight-up podcast, but mm. it's definitely the backbone is the kind of main podcast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we'll circle back to this, but the reason that you had myself and Jared Canlon on is because we were talking about the Academy um, yeah. documentary that you did, which we'll take some time into the podcast here to yeah. talk about later on. Definitely. The other thing of context is your work. You work at the ABC, is that right? Yeah. And you have been there for quite some time. Yeah, 10 years now. 10 years. Yeah. What is your actual role title? So I'm a, basically I'm a video editor and a camera operator there. Yep. Um, mainly what I do is video editing now and like sort of producing uh, stories. So I work at Parliament House. Um, so all politics stuff there. Um, and 
Yeah, ba- basically when I finished school, when I finished uh, TAFE at CIT, I just fell into the news kind of world. So I was doing local regional news at Win TV, and that got my start and that's where I learned everything like from there basically. Yep. And then that's where I was really learning how to properly use professional cameras and stuff. Yep. Um, and then I went and worked in Channel 9 in Sydney and then back to Canberra where I've done a whole range of different little jobs, but it's always involved shooting or editing. Did uh, you do CIT or uni production? I did CIT, yeah. Okay. So and, I did media production. And so when you did that, did you have the outcome of your career as to where you are right now in mind already? Is that where you thought you were going to go? Um, I you... definitely thought it was going to be video based. I wouldn't have said I'd end up in news. And a lot of people, nobody thinks, oh, I'm going to end up in news. Um, Or maybe they do. But (laughs) maybe, like, not so much news production. It's kind of like a funny one where people think, oh, it's not as creative or it's not as exciting as making films and stuff. But films and narrative films was never really that interesting to me. I was more interested in documentaries and uh, real-life, you know, extreme sports videos and travel docos and that sort of thing. So I guess kind of news was kind of a cool way to go because it's basically what you're doing is doing little docos every day. And um, so, yeah, I, I didn't think I was going to be doing that 10 years later probably, but um, what I do and I combine that with the stuff I do on the side, that's pretty much what I've always been destined to do, you could say. Yeah. So that thing that you've mentioned about, you know, film versus documentaries, mm. is that because you prefer, well, the reality, so to speak, of life yeah. as opposed to a manufactured story? Yeah, I think so. Like I also don't I don't really like the time and the big production stuff, which, you know, you spend all day and you get one little scene and then it's six months later and you've finally, you know, colour graded it and... I much prefer filming something, getting it out the same day, having everyone see it and it be relevant and that sort of thing. So, so it's, it's more about being candid and raw. And I think so, yeah. like, and just doing it a bit smaller scale, like doing it yourself, like just yeah. a one-person crew can go out and film something really cool turn it, and you can turn it around in your own room the next day and you've got something out and you've achieved something kind of thing. Right. Um, so... I did do a few sort of like short films and that sort of thing, but and it is fun working in a group and a team, but definitely I'd much prefer just, you know, getting out there and doing it sort of uh, running gun style and just uh, seeing what happens and not really planning too much. I've never like, I've never been the type of person to script out a project and uh, storyboard everything. I just go and do it. But do you, But is that because you don't like, that process or more is that the outcome of those things isn't as appealing to you you find the reality of camera and capturing a real story by far more enticing yeah yeah i think so like i definitely like my brain definitely works better just visualizing things than like trying to write a script and thinking about it you also get it it becomes more organic and natural a little bit um a little bit like what I do with the podcast. I do a little bit of research, but I won't 
prepare questions and I won't get get the guests to prepare anything. It's just a bit more free-flowing and natural. Yeah. Um, so you kind of get a different result. There's definitely times when you need to do that planning for certain projects, um, but it's never been how I've done it and probably just how my brain works. It, I never was good at sort of writing and that sort of sure. thing. So I was able to just piece together in my head a whole music video which has a little narrative in it, but we just do it on the fly and kind of fix it in the edit. I, I see what you mean. I mean, maybe I'm trying to go flip it into the music world because you mm. would understand this, but I think a lot of other people would be. There's a difference between musicians who live for the life experience, mostly bands, yeah, and those who want to sit at home or in a studio and produce a track until it's perfect before they release it yeah. to the world. I kind of get the feeling that you're, with it were to do with yeah. video, you like the raw and the live yeah, and the magic yeah. that happens out of that aspect. Yeah. The, the f- rush and, and the, the lack of kind of preparation, which exactly. might make a bit false. Exactly. Yeah. Versus the super polished, we've spent a yeah. lot of CGI. And, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a perfectionist at all mm. in the sense of like every shot's got to be perfect. Everything's got to be perfectly lit, but I want the whole thing to be a uh, cohesive like good video you know like i want it to be good but i don't think everything has to be perfectly shot and clear cut it can be rough it can be ready as long as the uh the the message or the narrative or the emotion gets across that's all that you need especially in a music video like and when you're doing sort of local uh smaller acts with small budgets who are just trying to find their way that's the way to do it you just get out there and shoot something and get their uh band or their uh, that artist's uh personality across that's enough in a video sometimes so just go and do that yeah i guess it's like anything else it's a bit of an well it's not a niche i shouldn't say that it's a different approach that's most certainly needed Mm. when i think of a lot of video that is made uh, for the purpose of social media Mm. over polishing stuff actually ends up looking fake yeah yeah audiences are kind of quite yeah negative to things that are overdone and don't seem real which is yeah strange because in a way in many ways you can actually fake something being uh, a bit more candid which it isn't but but anyway my point is that the stuff that you do would probably fit very well yeah kind of social media applications as well yeah well social media the biggest currency now is being like authentic like Mm. it's it's people are telling them their authentic selves on social media and a lot of people don't do that and they're selling you know different lifestyles or whatever that they're living so if you can be authentic in how you produce your music video as long as it is authentic to your um, your craft or your art then go for it and Mm. doesn't need to be polished yeah like the a lot of the time when people ask me to do a video i say do them yourselves like just shoot them (laughs) on your phone like you know it's it's probably going to be more authentic and because I think it is important to do a music video, but everyone can't afford to do a big Certainly. budget one. Um, so I think just even just with iPhones, you can make an awesome music video nowadays and um, some of them are really cool yeah. and and it's a lot more accessible for people to do. So why not? So with your career as such, because mm. it seems like you mentioned, I think earlier on that you kind of played around with making videos since you were yeah. quite young. Yeah. And obviously, you know, 
Went, took that passion, did the course, ended up getting into work. I've now been yeah. at ABC for 10 years. So really, yeah. if I think of your career, it's obviously been longer than that. Yeah. So do you have a next stage goal? So apart from the side things that you do, in terms of just purely the professional bit that sits yeah. on top, do you see yourself going anywhere else? Is there a pathway that you wish to um, take? Or do a you... goal? Yeah, not specifically. Like um, what I wanted to do with... with uh, at the moment, it's a lot of it's to do with Mustard Flats and the video magazine mm-hmm. side of side of it. So, um, sort of cr- the aim is to kind of create a bit of a platform where people can get because so much uh, cool stuff is done in Canberra and often it's missed. Like, I'll make a music video and it's an awesome track and it'll get a couple of hundred views because they're starting out. So, trying to pr- promote that kind of a place where people can bring and showcase what Canberra's doing. That was kind of the goal for the, the the video magazine. And so that's where I'm looking at the moment. I'm just looking at stuff to build that up, to to build a little local community audience where um, things like that can become bigger and yeah. so potentially grow Canberra's reach and get get a bit more going on outside so of town words, as well. So in other the professional part of ABC provides you with – the general work, it gives you stability. It is yeah. where you, you're nine to five, yeah. so to speak, is yeah. focused. Yeah. But then the way you supplement your career is by actually growing those other interests. Exactly, areas. exactly. Yeah. Why do you care so much about other artists? And that's, I mean, I mean mm. you, you did just say that mm. you believe there's a lot of really great, interesting stuff that, that yeah. is missed and you're trying to give it a platform. Yeah. But what, why do you really care about that? Where does that come from? I think it's because I've just worked with so many of them and got to know so many of them. And, um, even more so doing the podcast. But before that, I've been working with some awesome talent in Canberra for 10 plus years, doing multiple videos for them. So over and over again. And, um, Canberra gets ragged on a fair bit about, oh, it's boring. There's nothing here, but there's so many good, talented people here producing awesome stuff that I was like, I want to be a part of that in some way. I can, uh, I can help with that sort of blog space and uh, and it's just a lot of fun talking to the people and getting them in the room and chatting to people who are mm. who are doing really cool stuff. So, yeah, it's, that's why, I guess. But a lot of them are my friends now. So we're, yeah, so it becomes we're, a social Yeah, thing. yeah. So we're just doing – they're always doing cool shows and it's just fun. Yeah. yeah. So that's the best thing about the podcast probably you know too is that you just get to hang out and talk to interesting people all the time so it's, mm. it's a lot of fun yeah most yeah. certainly I mean yeah. my my thing about the podcast for behind the bio was kind of a fusion of three things and I think I might have mentioned this before in the podcast series so I hope I'm not boring people but on the one hand it's most certainly a social thing I actually do really enjoy figuring mm. out how people got to where they are because mm. by learning about their journey you end up kind of learning about yourself and others in the same it just widens your lens you know definitely that's, that's one. exactly two it's because Canberra's got absolutely no shortage of really interesting people yeah and so it's why not get to know them we're already kind yeah. of one degree of separation well let's let's make that even tighter yeah. why not yeah um and the last bit is because i kind of think it's this weird reverse therapy session that when you hear about other people everyone no matter how successful they might be deemed has ups and downs and mm. we can learn from the paths that they've taken and therefore realize how we can help ourselves you know, yeah. in the process so i think um that's my three things now if yeah. i think of your podcast 
it's a little bit more focused on particular individuals, but it's still the same thing. You get to meet the people behind mm, it. Exactly. You get to find out yeah. what their lens on things are, is like. And ultimately, yeah. it makes your life a little bit better. And if it's not yeah. your bag, great. You'll, you'll meet somebody else. Yeah, exactly. You have to like all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really fun. Like, it's a lot of work and um, it's probably a little bit harder and probably you shouldn't. I probably spent too much time doing this, <laughs> but I enjoyed doing the work too. But it's, um, it's, yeah, it's been a lot of fun doing. So yeah. I, as long as it stays fun for me, I'll do it. Uh, I'll keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's probably going to be fun for you forever. It's, yeah. it's hard to get bored of this. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's so and Canberra's missing okay. it too. Like yeah. podcasts like yours too. Like there's not many people doing this sort of stuff uh, in in town. So I think it's important to get get it all on record mm-hmm. like being a um a person that's worked in news or a lot a lot of the time and in politics it's very important to keep a record of what's going on in a place um f- for so many reasons but uh one just to keep a record of it and make sure that people know about stuff that's going on because uh yeah i think it's it's a cool thing to know about if you live in a place that you can become a part of that those little communities and yeah. stuff, uh, and it makes that place better as a whole. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in many ways, you know, doing stuff like this gives back a little bit. I mean, it yeah. isn't like you said before. You're sitting in your podcast booth and you do very little talking apart from just making sure mm. the whole thing hums. Mm. So it's not really about you; it's about other people, and you're giving them a voice. Exactly. Which yeah, is, yeah. Which is that was the good. idea that there was no host, um, so that. You kind of, so many times I'm sitting there behind there thinking, I never would have asked that uh, because I've got two people in that know each other or have some connection, they've collaborated. I never would have thought to ask that question and it was the most fascinating thing of the whole hour. So it's an interesting way to do it and sometimes you talk about things that you never, you know, you know, that aren't that interesting, but sometimes you get these little gems and stuff and you're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a cool way to do it. Sure. I still don't know if it's the right way or the, <laughs> the if it's working, but it's it's fun. So exactly. I'm going to keep doing it. Well, I mean, you know, I'm sure you're getting some feedback from the audience. And I yeah, so. uh, people are loving it. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that I just want to go back to a little bit is mm. your skill set. And the reason that I'm asking this question is I know there'll be people uh, tuning into this who are thinking about a career, at least in a space like yours Mm. am i right in that the work that you do so you said you do editing and Mm. and actually the the camera work as well Mm. am i right in that camera work is a technicality so in other words it's about making sure that what you're seeing is perceived as well as it can be it's in focus it's in the right frame you're getting the right shots right it's the technicality yeah the editing is then ensuring that the story is crafted within that in the most Efficient way, I would probably yeah. say, because you're not—it's new, so it has to be yeah. short grabs. Yeah. So, is your skill set two ways? Is it one the technicalities of production, and two is how to then thread a storyline through the footage yeah. that is available to you at the end of the yeah, shoot? Yeah, like when you're when you're doing small scale stuff, like just you when you're shooting it and editing it, the the editing it starts in the camera. You're already thinking about how is this going to work together with that, so that. That's what makes a great cameraman and what we talk about at work all the time, what makes a great news cameraman because in news it is very separate, like a different person usually shoots to who edits and 
you can tell a good cameraman by how they shoot for the editors. So they're already thinking about this shot will go to here and then this shot will work with this one. So it's not as clear cut as like two separate skills. Um, but after a while, it kind of becomes uh, you don't even think about it and you are just like constantly like editing, shooting and getting those shots all at the same time and oh, I've got to get the I've got to get the final shot where they're walking off into the distance mm. but I might not get that at this end I'll get that now while the sun's good uh, but I'll edit that later at the end so, so those sort of things going through your mind yeah. constantly um, and to do that are you are you trying to imagine what the end product is going to look like or are you cuz the, the difficulty in what we're talking about here though is for a video clip, like you've mentioned before, mm. for a, a music video, mm. fair enough. You could draft out a story. You know, it's about this gentleman yeah. and he goes to this club and then he meets this person and this yeah. is how they end up at the end of it, right? Super yeah. simple. Yeah. And then you shoot a sequence to it. Yeah. Voila. But with news, there's a lot of unpredictable things that mm. might happen. So yeah. in some way, I think maybe your approach about being not so perfect allows you to be adaptable and flexible. But still, how do you bring that together to make sure that it all makes sense when you don't actually know what the end's going to be like? In news, yeah. yeah. Well, news um, is definitely more of a team thing as well. So you'll have uh, the journalists who are hunting for what's the news of the day. Um, you'll have, uh, you know, chief of staffs managing the bureau. You'll have camera guys getting sent out. You have sound, not so much anymore, sound people. Um, so it's a bit different with news, yeah. You're, you're just... Um, uh, you're chasing the news a little bit, so you're looking for like what's going to be the story of the day. Mm-hmm. Where I mainly work now, politics, it's even another s- sort of level to that because you're um, you're uh, it's kind of a cycle of like what's the bi- what's the most important thing to be talking about, and then how we throw in the questions at the politicians to get to the bottom of it, and then it goes around again. So it's it's all a bit different. Um, yeah, it's all a bit different every day with news. You don't know what's going to come up and how it's going to be produced. Like, uh, you can't predict certain things, but some you can. You know, there's going to be a COVID press conference of the Prime Minister this amount of time, so whatever he says, we need to turn that into a one-and-a-half, two-minute package to explain to everyone what's going on. That's the biggest story of the last two years. What we've been doing at Parliament House has been COVID. So um, everyone knows how complicated those uh, few years have been with different figures and facts and what we're doing and what the Prime Minister's doing. So being able to cover that with a massive team of people all over the country at the ABC and then... Uh, turn that around every night into a two-and-a-half-minute story that tells everyone the vital information they need to know was um, no. was a bit of a, ch- a different challenge to going to a car crash that happens on the Barton Highway and you just film a car and then bring up the footage, put it all in a row, and that's that story. So a, a lot of people say to me, oh, why do you... Don't you get bored doing politics? Like it's always the same, you know, people talking in a room. 
and it's not very creative. And I said, well, it's almost the most creative one because you are turning the most boring stuff into something that's palatable and interesting. And that's the challenge of the day. So sometimes, yeah, it's a pretty straightforward thing, but sometimes we're doing Mm. some different things like we're doing social videos or we're doing we're trying to find the best way to to tell each story so it's an interesting place to work that's for sure um but it is again totally different to filming a music video with a four-piece band and then uh a different music video to a rapper doing a a single person standing with a narrative or something Mm. so it's all different you just got to over time, you do a lot of different things and you figure it out kind of thing. The um, I presume you don't work with the same journalists all the time. Are you not like set up as a team? No, okay. it changes day by day. There's there's a the same sort of political journalists in the office, and but a lot of the time we're working with the most of the same people. But um, yeah, it does make a difference. And sometimes you're out on the road with them, so that's a different experience to being in a booth where you're trying to. Uh, together kind of cut something together and often you it's not all up to you like you might think this looks awesome and they're like no that's wrong like you can't put that in so it's not it's it's not just your it's a collaboration Mm. so that's a kind of different way to to work again do you ever um look back at the stories that you've made on tv later in the news and do you criticise it? Do you ever think, oh, I could have done that better? Are you quite proud of what you've um, done? How does that work for it, you? It doesn't require looking back at it to know that. <laughs> so I'll know like on the immediately like, oh, I'm not feeling this one or um, or that was a cracking story and um, we, we told that perfectly and it looked awesome. Um, it was really fun to do. That's a... When you're doing it day in, day out, that's the big difference is was it fun to edit that one or was it a grind to try and get something out of it? So, mm. yeah, I guess, yeah, some are, some are good, some are bad still. Um, <laughs> I like that you said they don't have to rewatch it to know. Nah, it. <laughs> you've watched it many times. So it's uh, it's immediately like it's often you've just got to sound it because the deadline's there. Like I'd love to polish that off, but it was a late-breaking story that um, we couldn't uh, – we just had to slap down. That happens all the time. Like, so if you can just get it out, that's a win. Like, okay. It's not a piece of art sometimes. Um, talking about pieces of art, now you talked about documentaries and those, those yeah. being a passion. Um, can you give me an example of the kind of documentaries that you've seen, hopefully that people will know, that to you are very good documentaries, you know, that make you go, mm. wow, this is exactly why I love them. Mm. Tell me about something. Well, what got me into docos were the ones like, or the guys like um, uh, Michael Moore, Docos, like those those run and gun ones, John Safran, like his mm. shows, and I love that. And Jackass, and uh, <laughs> like those guys, like uh, skate. Is Jackass skateboard. a documentary? Yeah, it's. Is I it? would call it a documentary. Okay. Like, I that was what got me into making video, skate videos, and uh, mountain biking videos and stuff. That's what totally inspired me, um, and they would in those they would do skits and you know that sort of that's what Jackass came out of doing skateboard. Yeah. Those bits in between the skateboarding became more interesting, and 
so yeah, that's what that's what got me into making videos. So yeah, and then Michael Moore, how we would just go up and knock on people's doors without asking, and um, so the real kind of pop, yeah, the, pop kind of yeah, stuff. like just a gorilla like style stuff. That's what I was keen on. The chaser and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff was what I loved. Is there anything right now on television or uh, on streaming services that you particularly like? Um. I can't really think right now um, off the top of my head, but um, what about something a lot like of the Netf- the Netflix stuff has been really cool. Yep. They've, they've kind of changed the way like docos are done with this like this super star docos like Tiger King and stuff, where every episode okay. like leaves you on a gripper and you just like come back. I reckon that's really cool. Talking about that, by the way, going back to what you were saying mm. before. Unless, of course, this is not true, but let's mm. just just take it as being so. You realise during that Tiger King documentary that actually the documentary was being built as a completely different thing. And that story of Tiger King and everything that happened behind that was actually a bit of a fluke. So yeah. much so that the guy lost most of the documentary because yeah. the studio got burned down when he was yeah. being done, which yeah, is yeah, 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 in, yeah. In, in weird ways anyway. But yeah. my point to that was that if he was not flexible and adaptable to what this story could have become. Tiger King would have never been made the way it has been. So your approach of actually taking things for true reality and and making the most of it is probably something that made that documentary happen. Yeah, and keeping an open mind to things, I guess. Mm. Like if you go into making a doco that like, oh, I know exactly what I want out of this and that's that. It might not be that you might miss the story. Like sure. they talk about that in news all the time. Like you've you've got the wrong angle here. Like you know, there's a way cooler story if you just looked behind you or something. So yeah, yeah it, it's interesting. Um, so how do you feel about the? Um, I don't know if this is the right terminology. Is it called a? It's not called Docker reality. For example, what's that really popular one at the moment? Oh, Selling Sunset. Oh, yeah, yeah, you've seen yeah. it. How do you feel about that? Because that is a mush of two things. That is a, a mush of perhaps a documentary because they are following real yeah. events that take yeah. place. But I'm sure with a whole story arc that's manufactured on top of that to give it a particular drama. And yeah. It, and it's balancing somewhere between the reality and the yeah. written components to craft a show. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I've... I've Always thought, oh, maybe I'll do. I'd like to work in a on a reality show, like mm. not produce one or make one, but be like an editor or a cameraman on a reality yeah. show. So I, I'm all for reality shows, and they just have to be tre- like they're just entertainment. So um, I don't, I'm, I don't really mind about that bending of reality okay. where it's kind of like it's not something I would make my own, um, and certainly not something you'd do in news, but. Uh, it's <laughs> well, fun it's fun it's yeah. fun so uh yeah I, I think it's cool yeah um and because i guess what i'm getting at is you said earlier that you're not that interested in this polished approach of perfection to the end product so for example mm. the way films are um mm. and therefore i'm just trying to find where your sweet spot is because obviously mm. you love the news element which is as real as it gets mm. one would hope mm. uh then you know you kind of get into the spaces of the things that you were talking about mm. and, and these docker realities or whatever they're called it kind of sits somewhere in between yeah but you, yeah. S- you seem to be still interested in that so i'm just trying to find yeah where you're- oh, i'm a fan of them i don't think yeah. i'd i'd be comfortable making a a a documentary playing it off to be real when yeah. i've 
fabricated. But then there's a whole like mockumentary category where <laughs> like some of those movies I l- love too, like Kenny, like, you know, that's kind of like a run and gun film. Um, so that kind of works too. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's not something I would go out to make. Uh, everything at Mustard Flats is all all real. <laughs> <laughs> legit. Yeah, all legit. Um, speaking of that, I think this is a nice segue into your documentary that you made on Academy. It's as proper a documentary as it gets. There is no bending of the truth. Mm. I know because I'm in it. I actually have no idea. <laughs> yeah. How did you get my management to, to give you permission to... And, and, yeah, we somehow got yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, thank you very much for having me on. It was a real pleasure. But yeah. what was probably the most pleasurable thing about it is seeing the end product because I haven't seen any of your stuff before. Mm. Really, not not in in kind of full production. I probably mm. have seen lots of your stuff on television. Didn't yeah, you? yeah. So I wasn't I wasn't quite sure what to expect. But I remember when you showed me uh, pretty much one of the final drafts. Yeah, even that draft draft. Yeah, and I remember thinking this is. This is as proper as it gets. This is nothing that's amateur about this at all. But at the same time, it was produced in a way that had this authentic element to Mm. it. But most certainly the thing that hit me about it um, was that, you know, that that documentary goes for, what, 30 minutes? 30 minutes, yeah. yeah. So that's that's a long doco, really. And the structure of it and the way that you have a story arc pulling that together from beginning to end – it doesn't kind of veer off in any weird direction and get mm. boring or self-indulgent, yeah. which you could have easily done. Yeah. You must have given a fair bit of thought to make that work. But then again, like I said, you have a very kind of mm. fluid approach to things. Yeah. So how did you end up with something that is actually so well-structured yeah. when you were kind of So I didn't do anything before. <laughs> I didn't do any writing. I didn't type a single word. It was all done uh, in the edit in terms of the structure of it and how it flowed. Um, I had, like, themes in my head that I wanted to get out of people when I was interviewing them, um, things I wanted to touch on, um, but it was all pretty much in the edit, that one, and that was because I filmed that over over – I filmed that each interview. It took over a year to film all of those. So it was like I forgot a bit. I would film one – There'd be a lockdown or something, COVID. Because um, you did mine relatively early. Yeah, me. yours was yeah. I think second, the second I think. one yeah. after Chris, Chris. and um, and uh, yeah, yours was the second one. Mm-hmm. And then um, so yeah, it it took a long time, and there was a lot of things I didn't know when I went into it. Like I didn't know any of the footage because Jim had all that stuff on tapes, but I hadn't seen the tapes, so. A lot of it I was just exploring at the start, like when I interviewed you, and it didn't come together until I had all the footage and I could see what I was working with fully, and then that's when I structured it all on the timeline. So did the footage help you provide a structure? Um, not that much because the footage was pretty... All over the shop. Yeah, it was all over <laughs> yeah. the shop. So, um, you know, when you hear about a, um, a case of... 30 DV tapes from over 10 years of Academy, you think, oh, this could be anything. And it was. It was like there was some just random Thursday nights and there was some huge gigs and there was some some massive nights that weren't on there, which was a shame. But, you know, so 
it, it wasn't that it was the interviews that was the structure. So it's the same when I do news, like you get the interview and the vocal basically, like what yeah. the talking is going to be and then the music. That's how I do it anyway. And then, then you have the structure there and then I'm just moving things around like, oh, that fits well with this. And it's just all just playing around with okay, it. Okay, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. That's yeah. actually really good insight. So it's essentially mm. the the conversation and what people are saying and the value of that. Yeah, that's that the becomes. start, yeah. So then how does one not get overwhelmed? I mean, your interview with me, I don't know how long we spoke for, but it was quite mm. some time. Well, you would have cut to the video. I probably yeah. is maybe 25% of it. Yeah. Um, Which was actually, Probably even less. Probably even yeah. less. I think yeah. we talked for an hour. Yeah, like, yeah. In yeah, a so half-hour doco with... With yeah. six people. Or of course. And in my head, I was thinking, yeah. you're going to cut most of this yeah, out and yeah. use what you need. Yeah. But I guess what I'm getting at is, so you would have had the same thing with Chris and Jim, yeah. etc. How do you not get overwhelmed with having, you know, eight, nine hours of interviews to pull them into 30 minutes to create a narrative, though? Yeah, well, that's sort of a luxury I have. And why I like doing these little side projects is it's only, um, it's only, me, I don't have a deadline. I can just potter away at it. And sometimes it's hard. You don't want to do it after work, but you just sit in there. But it's kind of like you get in a zone. Like it's like, um, painters say the same thing. Like they just get in a zone and the they're flow, just like, yeah. yeah, they're just away. They go on next minute. I can just sit there for hours and, and play around with stuff and get it in order. And, and I think news has massively helped me doing that. Like I've, I'm a pretty fast cutter now because of how much I've cut. Like, and it's very similar to news. Like they're doing three-hour COVID press conferences every day sometimes. So you got to pick out a few grabs that work for that. And it's a, a bit of a discipline. Like you just get used to it, I guess. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it is, it is a bit tricky, but if it's something you're interested in, it was really cool. Like it was probably had about 40, 50 hours of raw footage from the old academy days. And if you're not interested in that time, it's going to be boring as, but if you are, you're like, oh, shit, that's, that's great. sick. Yeah. Like, I can't believe that's in here. Like, <laughs> yes. we got footage of that. Like, so it was cool going through that footage and it was fun. Yeah. yeah. So that's the main thing. Yeah, you've got to have a passion for the yeah. things that you do, which actually then leads me to that question. And I asked you this before about the bands, but – why did you care enough to actually put all that time and effort, resource, probably even some costs, mm. into producing that documentary about specific mm. academy? Why did you think that was I don't important? know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, yes, you do. Come on. What's, what's well, the driver? It's, that was um, a funny one because I've been talking about that for ages, doing something on that. When, when it shut, I was like, oh, there's, some, there's a story here. So... Mm. I wonder what that is. And then um, it was just by chance that slowly, like, things fell into place, like meeting Jim who provided all the old footage. Um, it wouldn't have happened without him. If you didn't have any footage, you can't really tell that story. Um, and so it just flow on. And then the more you get into it, the more you research it, the more interesting it gets. And, um, yeah, it's funny. I was, like... If you, like, why why would I make any video? I don't know. Like, it's not so much, like, to put it out. I, I wouldn't even mind if no one watched it, you know. Like, I kind of don't like people Look, watching my stuff. at least my, my parents stuff. and yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah like, 
like my parents will know that I hate watching my own stuff when it, I put it out. So I'd be happy for it to just sit away. Like it's the making of it that's fun for me. Right. So it's like it is cool to have people be like, oh, that was awesome. But it's also like, oh, I don't really care about that. It's like I'll just mm. make it. It's fun making it. Okay, so so it yeah. comes out of the pleasure of actually the yeah. the, the craft. Yeah. But you were standing on my driveway after we did that interview, and I asked you about why you're bothering to do this. Perhaps not as directly as that. Yeah, you said something else to me. You said, "Well, I used to be at academy on a regular yeah, basis." Yeah, 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 yeah. That too. That that, yeah. that meant a lot to me at yeah. the time, as it has to many people, yeah. including yours truly. Yeah. And so, in some way, I kind of would think that the answer might be that you're just paying respect to something that actually had a lot of meaning in your life. And therefore, yeah. you think, if it's not, yeah. if it's me, therefore it's others. And what you're managing to do is almost create this time capsule through that video mm. that people can then go back to. And rather than just talking about those yeah, days, which yeah, are getting yeah. progressively more blurry as we get older, yeah. um, as we get further away from them, there is a moment we can go back to and go, but of course, I remember that moment. And yes, yeah. I do remember what it was like. Yeah, so yeah, maybe definitely, what you're doing is it's, it's a chronicle and a capsule of that Yeah, time. yeah, totally, yeah. In in the case of that doco, for sure, um, it, it also came about with the idea and the, sort of the theme of it that it's pretty amazing that that club led to so many things that are still staple in Canberra now and if you didn't have that what would Canberra be like now and then the other theme that it was a much hated thing when it first opened <laughs> because it was killing off the like cinema of the yeah. local cinema and it was so it was such a bad thing to be having a nightclub so it's kind of funny where, how you look at things like so all those little stories kind of intrigued me a bit and was like well, this is there's something to be told here for sure. Mm. Um, yeah, so all those little things go into it, but it was yeah. The um, there's and I I'm not what's that Australian expression? I'm not here to piss in your pocket. Which mm. is absolutely hilarious. But anyway, um, but the every single person that's spoken to me about that, and not because I said, hey, have you seen the documentary? Mm. But people just randomly say, oh, actually, I was I saw the Academy documentary. Yeah, yeah. The two things I would say is, A, that they, they loved it, that it was just fantastic. Mm. It was so professional. It's, mm. it's literally the word that everybody uses. So definitely take that on. And the other aspect of it was that it made people remember how much those times actually meant to them. Yeah. Which I find really lovely. And I'll add one other thing to it. When I watched it after you probably finished it um, and you sent me the final version, I realized that, you know, I've watched many documentaries about music artists mostly in the electronic space over the years yeah uh, djs old nightclubs that were legendary mm. and those documentaries all have a particular feel to them that mm. make them retro in the true sense mm. you know you see djs when they were young were much now much older mm. you know having a great time and they would talk about those times mm. and what it meant and mm. how they didn't know how big it was going to be and all mm. those things and you kind of want to be living those moments through the documentary yeah. watching the academy one Made me feel like that, but that was about me and a whole bunch of friends. Yeah. And I thought, hey, yeah. I actually belong now to something <laughs> that is retro in the things. past. Yeah, yeah. And I can speak, you know, in a really nice way about something that was really important yeah. to me and, and to many other people. And I thought, I don't know if pride is the right word. Maybe it's not, but there's most certainly a feeling I haven't felt before where you realize you, you have been documented and cemented yeah, into Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
a particular subculture yeah. of a place like Canberra. Yeah. And I'm thinking, that's forever. Like, I'll yeah. be able to show this video in whatever digital format we're going to be using yeah. in the future via meta. Yeah. Straight to the brain. <laughs> Straight to yeah. the brain, to the eyeball. Um, but I'll be able to show that to grandkids or whoever yeah. in the future and say, this is what happened. Yeah. Because, yeah, you, you kind of think of it on surface. You're like, why would you bother making a hmm. doco about Academy? Like, that place was trashy or people have, you know, all these ideas of, oh, that, what, that was, that, isn't that still open or didn't that just shut? Like, mm. why don't you make something about, you know, some other, this club that's older or, and, and I just thought, well, on the surface, that's right. But if you actually dig into it, there's like, there was these like cultures and this timeline that was changing in Canberra. In that time, it was a little microcosm of dance music. And so why not tell that story? And a lot of the time it won't get told because it's it's pretty hard and it's hard to put that effort into everything. But sometimes you, it sits right and it gets made. So who knows, maybe that'll sit around for a bit and ca- <laughs> carry on. I think we're actually getting to the true value and perhaps – in a way, unpacking why it is that you love documentary so much. And that is because if you get it right, you're essentially elevating the value of a story that will ultimately be forgotten. Yeah. Because, you know, yes, let's just think about Academy. There, there's been thousands of people that have gone in there and mm. had their own story. Sometimes mm. short ones, yeah. big night, and that was yeah. the end of it. Some yeah. some people had much bigger experiences where they met collaborators in there and, yeah. you know, went on to create their own businesses and what have mm. you. Heaps of stories out of that, yeah. including Jared, who was yeah. obviously on, the, on your podcast. But those stories exist individually, but mm. what a documentary does is it ties them together mm. and elevates that into something that can be more lasting. Yeah. And because it's obviously in a format that people can yeah. refer back to in the future. And sort of I think that's what translated for people that weren't there and yeah. have no idea, like your parents and stuff. So exactly. That's it. Yeah. It, it can get those uh, those emotions and messages and sort of things to people that maybe not ever going to experience that mm. type of a place but now have a little insight into it and maybe an understanding and next time that it's noisy in their apartment they might not <laughs> you know complain as much so, and <laughs> we might have another academy we, we definitely will and yeah. and who knows what that'll deliver next time yeah so apart from the academy story and like i said maybe it came from the fact that you were a punter so to speak yeah um, at the time, and obviously understood it really, really well. Do you think you could do a documentary about something that you don't have that kind of insight on? Do you think that's possible, or do you need to be invested in a? Probably not. Okay. That I would want to spend that much time on and do something of that scale. Um, but we do do that at work all the time, where we are learning about a topic for the first time to produce that story. So. And then, so yeah, you do it in that sense. And I've done, you know, all sorts of um, um, freelance gigs where I've, it's the first time I've ever heard about it, uh, this sort of thing. And you got to dig into it and find the best way to tell that story. So yeah, I, I can do it, but I wouldn't, there's sort of su- certain things that I'll pick out to just do myself, like which I kind of commission myself and just, it's a passion project. Mm. And then there's other things where it's kind of work, but um, 
Yeah, I guess. So in other words, you could yeah. apply that skill. So in other words, if you were, well, once again, freelancer. So yeah. let's just say there's a production company and they are doing, let's make this up on the spot, a documentary about martinis. Yeah. As in the actual yeah. history of and all the rest yeah. of it, right? Yeah. Let's just say Philip Jones, the martini whisperer, wanted to do a documentary <laughs> with you. Now, but let's just say he was and he came to you and said, I'd like you to give me a hand. Yeah. You would not need to be passionate about martinis and vermouth nah, and all nah, that kind of stuff in nah, gin in yeah. order to create a very documentary, oh, right? But in other, yeah, yeah. but you wouldn't put your passion into it on a side probably gig. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But you know, I'm pretty um, pretty interested in a lot of things. So yeah, chances are I'll find something interesting about that topic hmm. um, for sure. Just one, yeah. th- one more thing about the Academy documentary. In the process of putting it together, um, you seem pretty surprised when I keep on saying that it's been exceptionally well received and, you know, you almost like don't want to know how people have received yeah. it now that you've done it. Yeah. Is there something about the documentary that you would have liked to have done differently or better but was either not possible or was an afterthought? No, nah, not really. Okay. Um, the only thing I wish we had was more um, footage of some of those big-name acts that right. came through like those superstar nights where sure. that's yeah I, and that's just something Covenant. you can only wish for yeah like um but in a time when no one had mobile phones or n- that could record any video a lot of that stuff will never be seen um so that was the only bummer about it i was like mm-hmm. i was hoping to open that case and find some bloody cracking stuff but there was lots of good stuff there, but it was more about the regular club nights, and the, which ended up being part of the story too, like the local um, residents and stuff. Mm. There was plenty of awesome stuff about them, but a few cool shots of, um, you know, those big dogs would have been mad. Yeah. Um, but you never know. That's okay. Might unearth some somewhere. <laughs> Who knows? And do a part two. Yeah, part two, part two. Is there... Any other stories? So, like that time that you walked past Academy and when it shut and thought, there's a story here. Mm. Have you had that kind of moments of enlightenment about any other aspects of Canberra culture and society? Um, there's a few ideas I have. Um, nothing that I'll tell you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can see your eyes moving around. Because <laughs> I don't know if I'll actually do it. Um, yeah, sure. But, yeah, there's heaps of stuff. Um there's still lots of people I want to talk to, which is like there's an endless number of those sort of mm. people. Um, the resources is a problem. Like you can't do everything. So you can't go and make a documentary about every cool thing in Canberra. So I've got to pick and choose a little bit. Um, I've got to work around my day job. And so it's – but my my ultimate thing is I want to get people into – other people into make stuff for mustard flats and it become kind of like a uh, its own little um you know media company almost like mm-hmm. people producing docos and um stuff and stories and and talking about things that no one else is talking about so if there's ideas out there let me know do you think yeah. um just because we were talking about this a moment ago, but do you think there is a particular group or section of Canberra that doesn't have enough of a voice? I mean, I, I guess mm. you've kind of answered your question or this question before by talking about, you know, the musicians yeah, who just yeah. have to start out. Of course, it's yeah. the hardest for that group. Yeah. But do you think there is 
a subculture within Canberra that requires an elevation that you see? Because in, in many ways, Cam- I think yeah, yeah. So academy yeah. was yeah, you could, yeah. You could I think say. it's like the underground sort of stuff. Like, uh, um, I kind of compare it to like Vice, you, you know, Vice News, and of Vi- like they talk about really interesting things that no one else is talking about. But it's kind of like Vice for the local community. So there's all these underground little um, interesting things going on that people would love but they don't even know about it, not through any fault of their own, but just it's that underground. Like you can't really be across everything. But, um, yeah, there is like when you've got um, I think three TV stations and one newspaper, they're not going to get everything in the whole city. So, um, and often it's the arts and the music and stuff that falls off because people feel that that's not as important to cover that when there's bigger things going on. But, um, yeah, so I think there's some things that definitely could be told still. There's yeah. plenty of stuff here. So Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out the way you think because it looks to me that – you're always trying, and maybe that's because you're working in, in politics and that news, and therefore you're seeing the mainstream, if I can call it mm. that. I'm here waving my arms around yeah. us if anybody yeah. can see what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the layer underneath that is exactly the kind of sub-news that might be mm. appealing to particular niches or subcultures yeah. and so forth. And you're trying to say that should also have its own channels of communication. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, your documentary is one way of doing that, but yeah. so is your, your podcast. Yeah. So are your other yeah, things well, that you Canberra is a small or it's kind of a small place. So it hasn't got those, it's got great, it's got like BMA and hmm. a lot of uh, little underground blogs that are doing awesome stuff. And that's all coming up now. I feel like it's booming now. Like Canberra's growing to that level where it can sustain like cool street mags and uh, pop-up shops and uh, little micro breweries and yeah. all sorts of things are popping up now which maybe it didn't do five ten years ago and with more and more people engaging in that there's going to be more room for cool stories to be told and an appetite for it so hopefully mm. uh that can grow yeah for sure yeah. actually um one last question which i should have asked earlier but it just popped into my head now when you used to go to academy often mm. What did you go for? Is it the music, the people, the atmosphere? Because yeah. you were bored. I, I went. To, I went to the gigs uh, a lot. Um, so specific so, artists. Yes, all the all the big acts that I was in into, and then um, I would go. All my friends would go, so it was kind of just what we did um, as well. Yeah. Uh, it opened the year after I turned, or the year before I turned eighteen. So it was the right time and place and, um, yeah, that's pretty much why mm. we went there. Yeah, yeah so, so music and, and then the social Yeah, the music there. and the social. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. no, I, I, the only reason that I ask that question is from time to time I run into, and I think I mentioned that on your podcast, I run into people who remind me they used to go to Academy and mm. even to see me and, and so on, yeah. which I always find just lovely. Yeah. And... When I say to them, you know, what did you used to go to Academy? And th- the most common answer is, well, music number one. That's yeah. the place that was playing yeah. exceptionally fresh 
dance music and that's yeah. what it was before it became very mainstream. And then that's the other aspect of it was there was most certainly a community of people down there. Yeah. They would go down there and they'd meet other people they would know. And yeah, yeah. I would see that. I would see yeah, yeah. the dance floor full of groups of people that know each other, which yeah. is yeah. really lovely. Um, yeah, that I just, was it. Yeah. Like, it was the same people I'd always go with. So mm. it was like I didn't go there heaps, but I went there a fair bit yeah. for a couple of years and then um, – you know, drifted off a little bit. Yeah, of but, um, but yeah, they that put on that was the kind of music and stuff I was into at that time. Mm. Was all that all that dance music and stuff. <laughs> so yeah, there's no doubt I was there. Yeah, and it goes back to the same thing too that you know Canberra, like you said, is a small place. So if you know people there, then the yeah. connection connects yeah. up with other people. And yeah, one degree of separation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so um, as a bit of a finale, let's give some plugs. So to find your podcast, where do people go to? So they can go to mustardflats dot com. Got a website there with all our stories and articles and stuff, or mm-hmm. at Mustard Flats on Instagram. You'll find all the links. But it's on everything. It's on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube too. So you can actually watch it, and um, we can. If if you subscribe there, it's probably the best place to watch it. Is on yeah. on YouTube. This the, is the Academy documentary. The Academy docos yeah. on. It's all on the same Massive Flats Correct. on YouTube. So Massive Flats everywhere, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So that's you'll easy. find it. Yeah, easy easy to find you. Well, beautiful. Thank you. Um, no, thank you, man. That was awesome. A nice conversation. Yeah. And once again, congratulations on on that documentary. I think you should be by far more proud than you seem to be. <laughs> Nah, thank you, man. I, I'm really stoked with how it's been and, uh, received, so it's been awesome. And I'm just happy to let it sit out there now and <laughs> do its thing. Exactly. Yeah. Let's hope so. Well, beautiful talking to you. Um, thank you, man. Enjoy, and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Okay. Lovely. Bye. So there you have it. That was my conversation with Nick Vevers on Behind the Bio. I hope you enjoyed a bit of an insight into his world and his different day jobs, night jobs and the creative projects that he is into. As you could probably sense, Nick likes to be behind the scenes, not in front of the microphone. So I'm very glad that he kind of opened up and shared all the things that he's so passionate about with us. If you'd like to get in touch with me, then please do so. There are a couple of different ways. Instagram at Behind the Bio Podcast is one. And if you prefer email, then Ashley underscore Farod at Outlook.com. I'd love to hear from you. I always do. Again, thanks so much to the Coordinate Group in Canberra for making this entire series possible. And I hope I can catch you at the next episode of Behind the Bio.